You're listening to the Kitchen Obsessed Podcast. Every week, we discuss the challenges facing modern restaurant kitchens and the technologies to help solve them. Now, here's your host, Sean Shankle. Hi, everyone. This is season two of the Kitchen Obsessed Podcast. I'm Sean Shankle. This podcast focuses on the evolving challenges facing restaurant kitchens in 2023 and beyond from the perspective of operators, technologists, and customers. As always, our goal is to make the podcast useful to operators. And to that end, please let us know what subjects you'd like discussed by emailing us at podcast at freshtechnology.com. As long as it has to do with operational and technological problems and solutions in and around the kitchen, we'll look at hosting an industry expert to discuss it. Today, we are talking to Dana Farisi, Senior Manager of Content Marketing at CrunchTime. CrunchTime is known for providing an operations management platform that multi-unit restaurants use to drive great customer experiences and manage profitability in every location. By integrating various parts of restaurant operations, including inventory, labor management, operations, execution, learning, and development, CrunchTime provides a comprehensive view of critical restaurant operations. So today we will be discussing the integration of real-time inventory management systems with kitchen operations and how AI-driven analytics and inventory management is transforming kitchen efficiency, reducing waste, and adopting to omni-channel demands. Dana, it is great to have you. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Absolutely. All right. So let's dive in. First, tell us a little bit about crunch time and how real-time inventory management has changed kitchen operations over the past few years. Yeah, sure. So um, as you mentioned in your introduction, crunch time is an operations management platform, and we're really just here to help restaurants solve challenges that they typically face. So inventory, staffing, learning and development, food safety, tasks, audits, all of that. Our software is used in over 125,000 locations in over 100 countries. Wow, and that's awesome. Yeah, it's really amazing when you think about the global reach. And the types of brands that we help are Chipotle, Culver's, Domino's, Dunkin', Sweetgreen, P.F. Chang's, and Jersey Mike's. So some pretty notable names there. Yeah. Um, for me, it's a really exciting time to be at crunch time. The company has really grown quickly through acquisitions and product development. And my favorite thing about working here is a lot of my fellow coworkers have restaurant and food service industry experience. So it just really helps drive that empathy and that know-how and helping us solve our customers' issues they deal with every day. That's awesome. So real-time inventory management, how's it changed over the last five years? Yeah. So I think real time is always one of those words that can feel like a buzzword. It gets thrown around a lot, but it has become ingrained in our everyday lives. Everything is done in real time, right? You can track your food delivery. You can track your Amazon package. I can track my children's breathing and oxygen levels at night in real time, right? That's, yes. When it comes to inventory management, the shift to real time operations has just revolutionized like every touch point in the kitchen, you know, whether it's supplies, ingredients, the overall workflow, it takes kind of what used to be a game of catch up. You know, you're always finding things out after the fact, oh, we just ran out or we're going to need more. And it made it so that restaurants have a better handle on what's happening at any time from any vantage point. So whether in the restaurant or they're working remotely or whatever it is, they have access to that information 
at all times throughout the entire inventory process, right? So from ordering to accounting to production and recipe management, they can find out things like our sales level for the day. Did store number 20 fix their make line temperature issue? So it's just a wealth of information and it just helps everyone work a little bit smarter, not harder. We know how hard it is to operate a restaurant anyway. So yeah. yeah, that makes sense. And I think, you know, as we all know, restaurants are very low margin businesses in general. And so we call it finding change in the couch. Any type of um, assistance that technology can provide to sort of help add a half a point here or a quarter of a point there is all just change in the couch. So as we talked about moving to real time, as we talked about some of the, the data that's a available, the feedback that's available. What are some of the common challenges faced by restaurant kitchens today in managing, we'll call it, say, supply chain efficiency? Obviously, we've had supply chain issues over the last couple of years. I think a lot of that is getting worked out. Talk a little bit about, you know, just some of the problems and challenges that restaurants have faced, are facing, will face on supply chain issues and how the tech is addressing it. Yeah. Like you mentioned, you know, supply chain was in the headlines a lot and something people were focusing on for a while, but it's always been something that is a delicate balance and has its fair share of challenges, right? So a couple of things that come to mind is having to manage many different relationships. You know, they have many different suppliers. Sometimes they're, you know, doing what they've always done because that's always worked. And that means placing orders based on gut feelings and things like that. Um, Having to go different places or do different types of methods or processes to place orders, you know, not having everything centralized. Manual entry and calculations, uh, substitutions, pricing discrepancies, and just for us dealing with like multi-unit operators when there's different locations that have different processes, it can get really complicated. So... Those are a few of the challenges that come to mind. Yeah, that makes sense. So analytics, there are new approaches, new methods, you know, obviously AI, I I know it's all buzzwords and maybe even no longer buzzwords to any of us, but there's true value in um, AI and ML, especially when it comes to supply chain management, food costing, waste reduction, things like that. Talk about how you guys are seeing that impacting restaurants. So one of the main things that comes to mind right away is food safety, food waste, traceability, compliance, and, you know, they're all kind of related in a way. So at the end of the day, you don't have a successful restaurant if you're not serving safe food to your customers, right? Like that is the bottom line. So when it comes to the supply chain and technology and data, you're able to have better traceability and accountability in case of recalls or quality issues, which are happening from time to time. And that's part of life. They're going to happen. So it's just a matter of being better prepared for them, knowing they're coming, being more accountable. And then when it comes to food waste, it's just being smarter about your menu, tracking trends and what is getting thrown away the most. Are we making our recipes the right way? Are we being too heavy handed? Are we using the right utensils? So just being able to track all of that across many locations If you only have maybe one store, you can keep a close eye on it. But when you have 10 or 20, you know, it gets a little bit harder to do. And then at the end of the day, you know, food waste is a big part of sustainability in our environment. So having data analytics allows you to track your progress towards your waste goals. And that's something a lot of restaurants can be proud of now and and share those results and say, you know, here's the difference we're making and here's the data to back it up. Are you seeing a strong trend towards sustainability with your restaurant partners? For sure. Someone that comes to mind right away is Chipotle. You know, they have a whole section of their website dedicated to it and what they're doing. 
And a lot of restaurants, especially the bigger brands, are coming out with the annual reports to, you know, say how they're leading the charge and what types of things they're doing to innovate and just try to make a small a small impact in each store for those types of brands makes a big difference overall. So it's nice to see that they're conscious of it and it's on their mind. I think that's an area where smaller, you know, SMB restaurants have an advantage because they're so ingrained in the local community. And we don't, we're not, we're not here to do commercials for our products, but I'm assuming that that sustainability metrics are something that y'all track inside of Crunch Time. And if I'm an SMB operator, maybe that's a tool set or a tool inside of my restaurant management system that I should be looking at and thinking about. Do you agree with that? What are your yes, thoughts on that? I definitely agree with that. I think in general, it's kind of crazy to think that how many critical processes are done back of house, you know, behind the scenes. And that are still done on pen and paper, even on spreadsheets. Uh, so, some people consider spreadsheets to be like using technology, but it still requires so much manual data entry and lack of visibility. Are people changing numbers and, and things like that? So yeah, I think that it just holding yourself accountable and having to take out the guesswork of being able to track, you know, your sustainability efforts. It's just a no brainer. It's good for your business. It's good for the environment. And it's just a win win, I think. Okay, so shifting gears a little bit as we move our way through, let's kind of talk on the subject of strategies that operators should use to adapt and integrate new technologies into their kitchen without disrupting kitchen workflows. Would love to hear some of your thoughts on that and maybe some some examples if you've got any off the top of your head. I know I'm putting you on the spot or some, you know, do's and don'ts, things like that. Yeah. So when you think about the kitchen, it's like the heart of the restaurant. It's a well-oiled machine or it should be, right? So right. you really want to be cautious about disrupting existing workflows. However, if you think about it, you almost want the disruption to occur in order for teams to kind of see the positive impact of whatever new technology or process to implement. So I right, pause. I want to say that back to you because I love that. There's a space where we want some disruption to occur, like a controlled explosion, <laughs> so that teams can maybe, and you didn't say this, but so I may be putting words in your mouth, but it can maybe jog some mindsets so that teams can adopt and benefit from the advantages that new technologies apply. Do I have that right? And then go ahead and keep going because that's a I, I'm really interested in that thought. Exactly. You might scare some folks when you're talking about explosions in a kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Speaking metaphorically here, right? So yeah, exactly. So when I say disruption, the good kind, there is a good kind. So it would allow them to see and to feel the value of that improved process or technology. They would understand that disrupting to learn such new technology or process is only going to make things better. And then when it comes down to that like actual implementation process, I think it's all about collaboration and preparation. You know, implementing a new technology should not come out of the blue. I think you're just setting yourself up to fail there. You you need to invest time, money, energy. You need everyone to be on the same page. And if you get kitchen staff involved in the process from the get-go, maybe they will reveal things that you weren't aware of to begin with, um, which could sway your decision one way or another, and also just helps them feel like part of the process and that their voice matters. And that's going to drive adoption more when they feel like they were part of this big decision and they know why and how that's going to make their lives easier every day. So yeah, just really driving better outcomes for them individually, but then uh, the business overall. 
Okay, that's good. And so there's two things that I really heard out of what you said, which I think are really good and important. Obviously, one is not to be afraid of disruption, the good kind of disruption. So, you know, disrupting to find a better way. And then the other is really investing the time and effort and doing the work ahead of time for maybe a piece of technology is even put in, but it's the people work, right? It is the conversations about why, the problems we're trying to solve, the the maybe the proof of concept and letting them be involved and really getting feedback and then uncovering other areas where maybe we didn't, maybe the choosers, as we say, from the technology's perspective, maybe was not aware of a, of a problem or a solution that was already in place that the users of the technology had experienced. It makes me think of when you're painting a room or a house, I used to love, I just want to dive in and do things. And then I had a professional painter teach me that 75% of the paid job is all the prep work, you know, taping and plastic and laying mat and getting everything ready. And then 25% is the actual painting. And it goes a lot better, smoother and looks a lot better if you do the proper prep work. Yes. And so maybe one could apply that that analogy here. Yeah, I think that uh, that's a great analogy. And I also think as you were describing it, I was also thinking about like picking the paint color, right? Like if you've been the only one involved in the process, you've seen all the shades of beige and gray and you know exactly what you want and you've seen what it can do and how it can last and everything and then you're going to paint this room or your house or whatever and the people that live there are like hey we've never seen this before like we don't know if we like this new color i love it so it's just getting them involved um and just because you've seen every product demo and you've read every sell sheet and you know all the product works doesn't mean that the end users do so it just goes back to that piece of empathy like making sure they're bought in they understand why they see the value everything like that that makes all the sense of the world especially the house part because that's why I will not pick a paint color without my wife, because I have failed on that every time at this point, I can say when doing that alone. All right, let's pivot a little bit, um, because I think this is important. Uh, How do you think restaurants could or should balance traditional culinary art with increasing reliance on tech? We're in hospitality. There's a human touch element that's super important to what operators do. So how could and should operators balance the culinary art with increasing technology or reliance on technology? So we kind of have this philosophy that there's three things that make a restaurant successful. You know, you've got to be profitable. You've got to have great customer experiences, but you also have to have that brand DNA. So I think this part touches a little bit on that with a traditional culinary art and That's part of your brand DNA. But at the same time, you're trying to grow and be successful and do so many things. So you have to rely on technology a little bit. So um, a recent example that comes to mind, again, I'm going to use Chipotle here, is they rolled out a new machine called the Autocado, which is like a plan avocado. Yeah, sure. Awesome name. Basically, it frees up time and effort that would have been spent on making guacamole in their stores, and they can redirect that time and effort to higher value tasks, like interacting with guests in their stores or whatever it may be to make that guest experience better. You know, everyone knows that guac is extra. You know, that's what you get at Chipotle. It's it's part of the experience there. It's ingrained into pop culture, right? There's shirts that say it. 
Um, but the truth is, it's because their guac is really good. No matter what store you go to, it's consistently great, right? So they took this really labor intensive and time consuming parts of making guacamole, which like we would have never known as as consumers that that much goes into it. And they took that and they used technology to free up the time of their team while making sure that the human aspect of it still makes sure that they have top notch guacamole. And so it's basically, it is kind of furthering the conversation around supplementing with tech. You know, you talked earlier about moving from even say pieces of paper to spreadsheets and then on to more automated systems. And so those are taking over components that free up operators to do more of the hospitality or the restaurant experience. Even just tasting the, the guac is an art that I would be happy to sign up for. And the, um, you know, interacting with the customers, which I think that makes a lot of sense. And so it's analyzing like what pieces can we work to substitute out of maybe the repetitive tasks or the tasks that say live behind the guest that could also make the kitchen staff's lives easier so they can sort of experience, you know, the art aspect of making the food versus sort of the repetitive task. Yeah. And that kind of, you know, blurs the lines into a little bit of that conversation about retention. And we know turnover is so, so, so high in this industry, right? So if you're making someone's job that much a little bit easier and they see that like you're invested in that, maybe they're going to stick around longer and again, feel accountable and part of the process. Okay. And so as we think about the lens of uh, SMB operators, you're focused on multi-unit, but you really work with multi-unit of all sizes, right? And so let's talk about how tech is and can help smaller independent restaurants compete with larger chains and maybe some stories. Yeah. So you're going to use technology, data, analytics, everything that we've talked about so far to help you identify which store is your best store. And then repeating that, right? So it's usually just not one thing that you're thinking about what makes your store your best store. There's many factors involved in the mix. And it also depends how you're looking at it from what lens. So with technology, if you're able to identify which store is your best store, then you can replicate that for your other stores. Maybe there's a process in one location that helps reduce the time customers are waiting for their food. And that process can be implemented and duplicated in other stores to help them get up to speed, like literally and figuratively. There Um, we go. I like it. So just being able to pinpoint those things that may be overlooked without the help of technology, that can help you scale and grow and like make them repeatable processes and go from there. I also will say that this applies to finding kind of those identifying rising stars or A-team employees. Ah, Yeah, that makes sense about retention a little bit. So this is like super important. And sometimes, again, there's so much going on in the restaurant. So you're relying on tech to help you spot these little things that maybe go unnoticed otherwise. So these are employees that you can see their potential, you know, but maybe they're making a difference in day-to-day operations and customer experiences, whatever it is. So you're finding out what makes them tick, what motivates them, what helps them succeed at such a high level. And then you take that and you ingrain it in your training process and you use it to help you identify other rising stars. So that will just give your store the edge. It makes that employee feel really good about what they're doing. They can then train other employees and make them feel the same way. And that's what helps you compete and win. You know, you're small, but everybody has growth aspirations. So in order to grow to your next two, three, five, 10 stores, whatever it is, 
get that brand DNA experience right and figure out what is your best store, your best employee, and just hone in on that. I love that. So smaller independents, they can implement change a lot faster than sort of big chains do. And so using tech, whether it is the way an employee either is efficient or interacts with guests, and that helps in your brand DNA, or maybe even the efficiency of a kitchen, analyzing it, even if it's a single store, what combination of humans and menu items and events and technology during a lunch hour made this one more efficient than that one throughout a day, week, or month? Being able to sort of look into the data, look into the tech, using the tech, and sort of spot gems, little secrets that can help that brand identity. And with smaller, either whether one store or several stores, we can implement that a lot quicker. That's, that's what I hear you saying, which I think is great. Any initial stories of brands off the top of your head that have maybe done some of this? So I'll shameless plug here. We just launched a brand new website. And one of the driving factors behind that was we're able to really showcase our customer stories much better Ooh, and there we um, go. easily digestible. So go take a look at that. Um, I like and, it. We'll you know, let you have that shameless plug. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's... Uh, a bit of something for everyone on there, whether you're a smaller brand, uh, corporate-owned franchise. We have a bunch of different stories, so check it out. That's awesome. Okay, final question. Back office, restaurant management, it's a broad term, and it touches a lot of areas sort of in the restaurant. If I'm a small operator and I want to take just one first step into an additional piece of restaurant management software, whether it's inventory or a labor management system outside of what's in my POS or a recipe system or an invoicing system or a kitchen system. Like what what would you say would be the first best step to take? The first best step to take is talk to your team who's doing the things every day, whether you are talking to them in person, whether you're sending them a quick survey, however is the best way to get that information. They are going to be the ones that uncover where you should go next. So that is a very crucial first step, in my opinion. There we go. I like it. It's the human component that is always going to be the secret sauce in these restaurants is is the people that are doing the work. So thank you, Dana Farisi. It's been so wonderful talking with you and getting your insight and thoughts about not only all the stuff going on at crunch time, but also really good ways to think about how small restaurants can implement um, the management software and components of it. And the takeaway that I have is make it a people-centric process. Yeah. People first, always. That's why people go to a restaurant, right? And again, thank you for having me on. It's been so exciting. That's awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you all for listening. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Kitchen Obsessed podcast. If you work in a restaurant and are interested in appearing on the podcast, send us an email at podcast at freshtechnology.com and tell us your story. We'll be back next week with more tips from the kitchen. 